In this episode, we talk with the e-learning hero, Phil Mayer. Before we begin, let me tell you about our Storyline training courses at masterstoryline.com. If you're brand new to Storyline or want to improve your skills, Master Storyline has the video tutorials that will teach you how to build real courses professionally. Use the discount code NAVIGATION35, all one word, to get 10% off the first year. You'll notice that Nate's had a little mic issue throughout this episode, so I'm happy to say I might finally sound better than he does. Hey, Dave. Hey, Nates. How you doing? Fine, fine. There's actually more than two people on this show today. Uh, so we want to welcome Phil Mayer to the show. Hi. Hey, Phil. Thank you for joining us. It's no problem. I've been really looking forward to this. So, Phil, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? What's your background? What led you into e-learning? Uh, I started off life as a nurse and ended up in education and went freelance about 10 years ago. And I've been an articulate, most valued professional for about the last eight years. I, I know you're also very active in the Ill, uh, on the articulate e-learning community, right? Yeah, I think that's probably why they gave me the articulate, most valued professional role. Uh, yeah, I stole everything that I know from the articulate community, so I think... <laughs> It's a bit like giving something back, and uh, if I can help anybody or help the people who help me, then I feel like I've done something. I have definitely seen many of your posts there. <laughs> yeah, I think at one time I had the most posts, but Wendy has got those now, so uh, big shout out to Wendy. I, I'm just too busy sometimes to post things at the moment. Well, still, I think most people, uh, whether they are realize it or not, uh, know you through uh, the help you've provided them. Yeah, I, I meet loads of people who'll say, oh, well, you told me how to do this. I've got clients who they came to me because they were building their own courses and they found people who needed help. And then when they realized they couldn't build what they wanted, they contacted me. So it, I suppose it helps me out as well. But like I say, everything I ever need to know, I go to the forums. Uh, even this morning, I was on there trying to find something out. Uh, same here. And uh, I'm sure most of the times, uh, well, oftentimes, it's it's your comments that uh, help me out as well. So uh, I think we all thank you. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, everyone's, uh, what everyone puts into them certainly uh, has created a, a wonderful community and certainly helps a lot when people are trying to figure out how to solve problems or even just, you know, instructionally trying to figure out uh, good approaches to things. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I, I think it's probably one of the best forums out there. And uh, the, the, there's so many things that the, you think you don't know or you don't need to know, and then you'll search for it and it's there on the forum. And uh, I can't remember what I was looking for this morning. I think it was some JavaScript code and it was either, do I write it myself or do I see if someone's already written it and it was already on the forum. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So today's topic is going to be locking course navigation. But before we jump on the topic, we have one Ask the Learning Guys question. So Dave, you have seen this uh, asked on the forums, right? Yeah. Uh, David Anderson recently had an e-learning challenge, uh, which was creating a parallax effect with uh, sliders in Storyline. Um, and uh, several people were asking, how do you connect two sliders so that they work with each other? And um, I guess a little bit of background uh, to get that parallax effect or something moving slower in the background than the foreground um, in, in Storyline, you can put a image on a thumb, the little part you move on a slider, 
And uh, what you typically do is you've got two sliders, one with a background image, one with a foreground image on the thumbs. And then what you do is you make those sliders, you make the thumbs actually really big and actually the whole slider really big. But the thing is, when you move one slider, the foreground, you want the background to move as well. And uh, it's actually pretty simple to do. Uh, whenever you create a new slider, it creates a uh, variable, which you can get through the slider design tab. And uh, all you got to do is click the drop down and make sure that it shares the same variable name. And when you move one, the other will move as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, most of the effort is in um, coming up with a, a neat design rather than actually linking them together. Yeah, yeah. Sli sliders are awesome uh, because you can really, like you said, you can just, just switch the variable to have to be the same variable as the other one and you're done. It's like there's no no need for triggers to make one variable the same as the other. And just you ch choose, just select the same variable and you're done. Yep, and same thing with dials too. You can do the exact same thing with dials. So guys, ready for uh, locking some course navigation? <laughs> well, see, it's called locking course navigation or what we're calling it, but it's really, uh, you know, don't lock course navigation is probably a better uh, title. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's our main tip. Don't lock course navigation. Boom, we're done. Thank you, everyone. And I'll Thank talk you, everyone. To you next week. <laughs> Okay, so my, my my the most unhelpful uh, answer to why would you lock uh, a course navigation would be, well, it depends. <laughs> like, what's the goal of the course? How long is it? Is it you know um, something the user has to go through? It, it's a bunch of these variables that can affect the decision of. For locking the yeah, I think yeah. The, the the main thing is what is the user experience you want? Um, you know, what's the experience in presenting information, allowing people to you know apply that information? You know, what is that? And then a lot of times, the way you're going to treat the navigation comes out of that. I think the goal precedes that. Well, certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you need to have goals, and then that experience is to to meet those goals. Yeah, yes, bingo. I think one of the best things that one of the my SME said to me once was, I've had to write all this. They're going to read it all. That was the main reason for why we locked a course down. So yep. I, I would say never do it. And every course that I build is never locked down. Uh, and just because it aids the review process and it all, if it ever gets locked down, it gets locked down at the end. But it's mainly compliance courses where, their insurance is reliant on them having to have done this, 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 and this. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the typically the only time that I or, or at my company we lock down a course is there's some sort of compliance need or um, maybe even a timing. Well, I guess that's compliance, but there's a certain amount of time someone needs to spend. Um, I'll say a lot of times you, you kind of lock it down without, you know, kind of creatively, not necessarily just, with the controls, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, typically, oh, I hate locking down courses. Uh, if it frustrates me as a developer, it's going to frust frustrate the learner. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I sometimes, if they've said that they want it locked down, I'll lock it down completely and try and frustrate them when they're reviewing it so they'll unlock it. But <laughs> that's a great, <laughs> I love that strategy. It never works. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> well, I love it in theory. I love the strategy in theory. Well, actually, this reminded me of 
my usual approach when working with locked courses and to help the clients review it, I put a, a put a trigger on a on a shortcut key in master slide. So you can just press shift L, you know, and it skips a slide. And that makes reviewing so much easier. Yep. Yeah, that's very uh, helpful uh, if you do have to lock down a, a course. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes I know, people often say, oh, don't lock down a course. But, you know, sometimes you're in a situation where your client requires it. You have to make a decision if you want that project or not. Um, and uh, again, sometimes you can strategically, creatively come up with ways that it can be locked down without it feeling locked down. You can. I think the best course I ever built, um, they actually put the assessment up front and there was no learning at all. If you pass the assessment and all the assessment was, was uh, it was a cartoon like version of an iPad and you had to prove that you could go through the app. Uh, if you failed, you got put back to the learning, which was then locked down. But if you went through the uh, iPad bit and passed it, you never had to do the learning because you'd already proved you can use it. Yeah, you don't need it. <laughs> You've You've got it down already. Yep, that's a yeah. great way to do it. Yeah, that's a really good approach. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we'll create like, let's say it's a really short course or it's it's kind of a gamified course, um, something interesting or there's some unique experience where you just throw them right into a situation and they got to work their way out of it. You don't need to lock down a, a course, but you don't really offer them a way to kind of just jump anywhere in the course as well. I, I don't know about you two, but... Um, I always start with a, at least in storyline, a template that has the menu off and most things turned off, um, or, or the, um, you know, the modern player is set to the menus and controls to off. And then I kind of build custom around that. Um, that's pretty typical for me. I don't know about you all. That's how I would start blank slide. No, no Chrome at all on the player and no controls and build it like that. But I'd agree with what you say about these small gamified courses. They really are locked down, but you've shown it to the user in such a way that it doesn't feel locked down because you, you're only letting them go one place. And if it's a, it's a gamified, I mean, gamified might mean many things, but usually it might be, let's say it's a, like a quiz game or something, and, if, and it makes 100% sense that you don't let them just skip that thing. They have to, you know play the game sort of, and then finish it and get whatever result they get. So I totally understand that that part. I was going to ask too, is it still, is it still by default that Storyline will show that left menu? I know you can kind of hide it and show it now, but is that still the default that that shows up? I think it is. I think, I think it is. Yeah. I, um, and maybe but I should, there is a setting. Yeah. I know there's a setting that you can say that on start it's hidden. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you can do that. That's a nice newer feature. Yeah. Um, I should bring up, let me look at my notes here uh, before I forget, just to bring a little bit of background to the conversation. Some people, you know, might not be as familiar with locking down a course with what we're talking about. Um, so maybe I can talk just briefly about in Storyline, how we lock a course down if you need to. Um, because like I just said, it seems that by default, you'll get a left menu where you can jump anywhere to any slide in your course. Uh, but you also have the seek bar, the little progress bar at the bottom. You can jump anywhere in that by default. And also you can click next anytime you want. Um, in Storyline, uh, you can lock that menu um, and the next and previous buttons. Uh, and let's see, you can go to click player settings, menu options, and set restrictions to restricted menu. 
So let's explain that one. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Or locked, I should say. Yeah. Um, so what that will allow you to do or not allow you to do is in that menu, and that by default, the menu will list all the slides that you have in a project. Um, restricted menu means you can't jump forward. Um, but once you've visited a slide, you can jump back. And locked means you can't jump back to e back either. You're very linear in your navigation. Is that, does that sound right to everyone? Yeah, yeah. Lock, locked is totally locked. And it's I, I, I can't even come up with the why would you do that at, at all. Only if it's a compliance course and it's required. Or let's say you're building a course and the goal is to frustrate the user, then you might want to use it. I mean, a compliance, I still think restricted is totally fine. But yeah, I agree with the frustrating user, the locked one, the locked setting wins. Yep. And then uh, let's see. Oh, you can also set restricted next previous buttons. And basically that means that that seek bar, um, it has to get to the end of the slide before you can click next. Um, but you can lock that down through that same, well, through the player settings still. You can go to seek bar and set that to read only, so you can't click on it at all, or you can set it to uh, drag after completion. So you can't move it forward, but you can move it around after. So you really can lock that the, the course down uh, all the way if you need to. Uh, and I think I, I mentioned too, you can always set your modern player settings. This is the newer modern player storyline has. You can set it, the menus and controls to off, and that'll get rid of your seek bar, it'll get rid of the menu, and it really, it's just kind of locked down by default at that point. Well, it's just your slide then. It's just focused on the slide, no, no, no player, no native player things at all, which is fantastic, which many of us wanted for years, because with the old player, we were just hiding things, making things transparent and so on, you know, everything that couldn't be hidden, we just made the same color as the background or something like that. Uh, but now it's just in the modern player, you hide uh, what menus and controls to play on your own field. Well said. <laughs> I was practicing for months. What uh, were you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Dave, you were you were you were talking about uh, settings and storyline. There is one more um, thing I often use for some courses or with some clients that we have a template or some. We use uh, just next and previous buttons. Does it, do we use them? Yeah, in the menu, but it's like a drop-down version. But we manually lock the next button, uh, you know, via triggers. So when timeline starts, hide or uh, disable the next button. And then we unlock it once the slide has been completed, usually when user clicks all the three tabs, five tabs or whatever. So that's also one way you can do it, and or which I do it, I guess, often because um, many courses that I do, well, depends, but the courses that don't have audio, you, you don't really lock them to the seek bar because it doesn't make sense. So you lock them to the functionality of the interaction. And then once the all interactions have been completed, you unlock the next. So that's often what I do. Doing it that way sometimes looks better as well, because if you set it to disabled, it changes what it looks like. Whereas the default storyline option of restricted means that the player the button looks like it can be pressed but you can't press it yeah yeah i i really don't like that they should change that because it, it looks like oh i can click and then it, it feels like button doesn't work which is not a great experience so yeah i totally agree i'll say too that just from a 
kind of instructional and creative design, uh, a, a instructional and creative design consideration is to uh, disable it and not hide the next button in a lot of cases if you have your previous button there because it'll also shift the previous button to where the next button is. And that can be a little confusing to people um, just depending on your course navigation. Yes, Dave, I agree. However, there is a situation where hiding the next button is better. And that's when you have quiz and you have the submit button. So what I do is True. I have I have the previous button and then the submit button. And once they click the submit, I hide the submit button and show the next button. And it looks like the like just the submit button switched to the next. Uh, and it works. It, it 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 it's a great experience, I think. I like that. I was doing that yesterday on a course and I don't like UI that appears and disappears. So if you've got a next button and then you hide it, but if you swap it to a submit button, I don't have a problem because it's in the place where your next button is. So it's in the next action that they've got to do. So yeah, that's the biggest issue is when it yeah kind of shifts where you're kind of used to the position of things. Yeah. Um, I should say too that you know we're talking a lot about locking the course navigation and how that's maybe not a good approach. But I should say that, and you'll probably all agree with me. Um, leading the user through your course is not a bad thing. You know, if if you're worried about them just freely being able to go everywhere, well, there's still ways you can lead them through a course where it's not frustrating and they're not even thinking about like being able to jump around. So I just want to throw that out too. That's not a bad thing. It's not at all. Uh, I built a uh, course for Coca-Cola a long time ago with Bruce Graham, and we we were told to build as much fun in as we could, and we had phone call conversations where you had to answer it to speak to your boss and make decisions. And if you didn't answer it, you would get pop-ups every now and again saying, it's your boss, don't you think you should answer it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. And again, that's exactly why, like someone's going to take that and not even think about the next button. They're going to be involved. They're going to be engaged. You know, they don't want to get through the end of the course. They're just in the experience. Yeah. Uh, and then there's some other things I think that are pretty typical. Um, for instance, having a warning indicator come up. So for instance, let's say you click next and there's like three click and reveals or something like that. Um, you can always have it set where if you click next, it pops up a little thing that says, uh, you know, take a look at these other, uh, tabs before moving forward. Um, sometimes we don't do that, but if the information's really important, that it might make sense to do that. And then other times we might even link that next button up. So maybe it just goes through those tabs. You know, it's like, it doesn't have to go to the next screen. It can take you through the next bit of information. So it's not really locked, but it, you're leading them through the information. Yeah. And we, 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 we talked about this with, uh, Dave before recording and this totally, this approach. So the next button opens the tabs, totally reminded me of how Engage works, if, if Phil, you remember Engage. I used to love Engage, and uh, I even recommended somebody into the community. They wanted a process block in Storyline, and I said, well, have a look at Engage, because the, the, I, I think it's great, and the way it animated and the way it worked, uh, it, it's still a great tool. I, I'm surprised they've not built some parts of that into storyline already with almost like pre-built interactions captivate's got something quite similar already well 
I I agree that it's it's functional. I'm just not happy with the design. <laughs> yeah, the old uh, Articulate 09, we had we built a hundred courses for um, somebody. Uh, it was NHS based courses, and we had such a problem with the UI about how people knew how to do it. We built a custom player to sit over the top. And uh, the player had uh, instructions whenever the engage came on. We made all of the backwards and forwards buttons um, green, and they got to know, they got to learn that if ever they had to interact with everything, it was a green button, and there was nothing else green in the course apart from these uh, buttons that you had to click on and, and to do it. So uh, I don't know. I think engage has got a little bit better. I, most of my clients would kick me if, if I put an engage interaction into there, but I can see how that for some people who don't use Storyline all the time, it would be very useful for them. Well, and I think you know you're mentioning custom stuff too. Uh, you know, obviously in Storyline, you can ignore the next and previous button, the kind of the default Storyline buttons, and build your own whatever it needs to be on top of it, within your course. Um, and and to be honest, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I kind of wish they'd update the next button a little bit with some additional functionality because if you've decided to use the next and back button as your main navigation in a course, it's very small now and there's no background. It's like it doesn't call out the next button very heavily. And if you're on a sort of browser where it's stretching to fit, your stage might be in a certain spot and your next button might be way in the you know lower right and you might not even see it. So sometimes it's helpful to uh, build your own navigation. There's some negative things in doing that sometimes with uh, scalability and whatnot, but um, that's you know just another way you can lead people through it. And to be honest, I also wish in, that you could per slide change what the text is in the next button. So instead of next, I could set it to say, find out the five things that blah, 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 blah. That's probably long, but... Um, you know, there's situations where I don't want it to just be next. I just, I want it to give a little bit of a hint as to what the, they might be moving towards, uh, because again, that's leading the person on getting them interested before they even get there. Yeah. That's why we create custom navigations, right? Yep. Yeah. The disconnect between the player now, when you're on a large screen is quite scary, which is probably why I very rarely use the next and previous buttons that are built in because they can be quite a long way over the screen. Uh, I'm on, uh, I've got a 27-inch monitor and a 34-inch monitor, and they can be miles away from the slides themselves. They can, and I'm hoping they can, eventually they have got a setting where you can constrain the navigation to the to the uh, slide width or something like that, um, so that you can at least know where that next button is on you know, regular browser, uh, regular like PC Mac viewing. Can you repeat that you're saying you can lock it the size? No, I'm I'm hoping in the future you can tell that next button and actually all the bottom base navigation and controls to not be wider than the width of your slide. Basically, yeah, that'd be a nice feature. Because part of what you said. Uh, the old player actually did that. You know, you could lock it to a right. certain size or something. But this one just resizes to whatever, and the buttons are not aligned with your slide, and that's that's when the confusion happens. Phil, sorry, I, I think you wanted to wanted to jump in. No, 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 no. I, I I agree with that completely. 
Yeah, in fact, I think it was two days ago, I built a course where we're using the uh, menu. So you've got to have that icon on there. And one of the designers wanted to put a call out to point out whenever they could download resources. And I had to say, you can't really do it because on large screens, that call out's going to be nowhere near where the menu icon is. Yes. Because it could be all the way over the side of the screen. The, I mean, I, I've got a feature request at the moment to allow you to be able to activate the menu without having the icon. So you could put your own icons on your custom navigation and still use the built-in menu just because I like the way that it slides out from the left-hand side and changes the size of the course. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that's nice. And, and I know too, you know, with translations and stuff, sometimes it's really valuable to use the kind of the default stuff that Storyline has because if you have custom buttons you know it might change the width and whatnot but if you use storylines and have to change the languages it just automatically fits but you run into all those negative uh you know considerations there so um yeah hopefully they'll make some adjustments uh here and there as we go since we're talking about the custom menu items there is you know you can create your own custom menu items that for maybe for maybe for exiting the course for example so you can click on top to exit but I don't know if you ever checked the whole list here. There's one I have to ask you guys. <laughs> one trigger or one action here that I don't know when would I use it. So you can create a menu item that uh, its action is close light box. So how would you even use that? <laughs> That's why, because the light box would be over the menu. Is this in the typical drop down or side menu? Yeah, yeah. Well, not typical. It's you have to create new, and then you have the trigger wizard and the other actions. You can can say close lightbox, or you can say move, which is so weird because you you can't even you can only move the item that's on the current slide. I mean, why do we why do we have why is there an option to move? Well, they're going to add functionality in later. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to look at that, but yeah, just by what you're saying, that uh, yeah. From a global navigation to call out something specific in a slide, yeah, exactly. Typically, doesn't work too well. And it's like I was thinking. I think I had a thought. Okay, maybe I can put something then. And then from the, it's gonna slide something out from the master slide. You know, something like that. But no, you can you can only move things that are on the on the normal slides, but only on the on the current slide that you have when you have the player settings open. You can move that object, but then it, it's not available anymore on other slides so why <laughs> good question i have no idea i think we have to get david anderson back yeah <laughs> we'll get to the bottom of this <laughs> yeah. so uh there are a couple other things about like navigating a course and kind of leading someone or keeping them interested that i had a couple notes on i think one thing we do occasionally is you know you've got some sort of indicator that um, you're kind of working your way through something. So maybe it's like a, um, a badge, you know, and it lights up the badge or icon for each section, or, um, it's just a simple indicator and you can clearly see somewhere on your, in your course that, oh, I missed something or I didn't get through something. Uh, so that's just another mechanism to kind of keep people, uh, n knowing that they're working their way through material. I think Tom Coleman said once, Danny, that uh, when you're building a course, you should always let people know where they are at all times and that 
that's one of the great ways of doing it. it I typically, a lot of my courses now have a like a hub menu that you come back to the EBA unlocks as you go through it. So the user feels like they've got some sort of control, but they really haven't because they're just on rails because we're unlocking it as they complete each section. But then you can turn those into things like badges and so they feel like they've achieved something or you give them a resource book or something that they take away with them at the end and that slowly unlocks as you go through the course. Yep, that's a great approach. And and even if it's just like a little, you know, it goes to white, it's a little circle that goes to white for each section you're in, there's still a level of achievement to that that I think people can get from it, you know, like, oh, I'm I'm working my way through this, I'm achieving something. So there's a lot you can uh, you can do to just engage them and make them interested. And since they added, you know, they added the uh, like completion uh, percentage, I think, or com- slides completed. So you oh, could yeah, you right. could do the combination of those variables, like twenty two out of twenty eight, for example. But that's just uh, the text based uh, approach. But you could connect the percentage completed to to a sigbar, for example, not sigbar slider. And then you could just move that slider, have it on the master slider. You could just move that slider variable uh, according to the percentage of your completion. Might not take a lot of work and should look fine. Yep, yep. And and that page numbering stuff does simplify things quite a lot. I don't have to create, you know, variables for every slide now to make sure they've been visited or not. All that fun stuff. Um, I had one more thing on my list here, unless I'm probably missing some things, but... um, I think some people I've talked to, I don't think they realize that you can go to your typical storyline menu and remove things from it, you know? So if you, not to lock down the course, but to keep them from jumping to every single slide, if you've got like four main topics in a course and it's fine for them to jump to any one of those topics, you can narrow it down so the menu only shows those four topics. It's just just a nice additional thing you can consider. Yeah, I... I edit the menu quite a lot because uh, I, I still end up having the menu in on a lot of courses and I cut down on the slides, reduce the number of slides make sure that that's one of the nice ways you can lock a course without people knowing about it so you can remove the quiz sections out of it so they can't jump straight to the quiz mm-hmm. uh, you can uh, remove other bits so you, that you don't want them to go to uh, and I suppose the only thing I always say to people when they use the menu is make sure you name your slides correctly the first time you use it. And yeah. Only ever edit the slide titles of your slides and never the slide titles in the menu because then you get a complete disconnect and you can't change them quickly and easily. Yep. That's a great tip. Everything that I've ever learned is by mistake. So. Uh... <laughs> That's a great way to great way to learn. Yeah, I, I first time I ever used Storyline, I never realized you could um, reset the menu or you could um, put slides back into the menu. And mm-hmm. I, the first course I ever built was three hundred slides long, and I'd go through the menu and then think <laughs> I've deleted the wrong one, and then I didn't realize you could put it back in. So I'd reset the menu and then start going through, and it took me about a day to do this whole menu system. Oh, and then I found out there was a that said add slide back. <laughs> <laughs> well, now countless people won't run into that same problem with us talking about it here. No, don't reset the menu. Oh, man. 
And I wasn't on a daily billing on that one. It was a fixed rate, so it made it even worse. <laughs> well, one of the ways I, I think your Dave, your nextless e-learning example, I think that's a great approach of uh, basically a locked course, but there's no next button. You just go through it. But I guess that's almost the gamified thing that we did at the start. Right. And is that that sample where it's like, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's pretty simple, but instead of the next button, if there's some sort of task that someone needs to do or a decision that they need to make, them answering that or solving the thing or whatever it might be, that's the mechanism of moving forward because the next button is just an action item. So what other action item uh, will will maybe be better as, as far as applying the information that you're trying to get out of whatever you're trying to explain? Yeah, I would I would completely agree with that. And uh, I, I built a course in the summer that's probably my favorite course of all time. And uh, we had a great um, animator come on board. And the, it was five sections that they had to go through. And there was basically five games. And they can't go backwards and forwards through this course. They have loads of animations in between of this guy in a jetpack turning up like Iron Man and saying the next task is this, you go into the task and they can get through the whole course in five, six minutes and learn a lot, but there's no next button, there's no back button, but they are locked in. They've got to go from beginning to end and they just do it in a nice way. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm, I'm, I haven't, uh, I'm already interested in viewing that, uh, that course. Yeah, I'll send you a link over. Yeah, if we can see it, I'd love to see it. Yeah, same here. Uh, Phil, you want to add anything? I think there's, a, there's just using variables, isn't it, to track it all. But we, it really would be using variables most of the time anyway to uh, track everything. If you're using a menu, you've got to use variables to check that each section's completed. And uh, You mean a custom menu? Yeah, well, my variables are always named the same thing. So I know I can import a menu from somewhere and it will always work in the same course that I'm in. And... Uh, well, what I usually do is slide underscore and then a number, and it's just a true false. That, okay. That's good for individual slide. I normally mine lock at the end. I don't lock much on uh, a slide basis apart from using visited and viewed. What do you mean visit, visited and viewed? If, if I've got a slide that's got maybe um, five tabs on it and they've got to view all five tabs, then I would normally just use the visited state to to lock it uh, most of my clients aren't maybe they just don't go back through the stuff that i build because they don't like it but um, <laughs> they never notice that you have to unlock the slide every time you go into it uh, I, I typically don't save the settings of each slide as you go through it uh, i think it comes down a bit to when we did the original storyline beta that um, one of the developers was very keen on us not using variables if we didn't have to. So I've got this thing about a lean approach to using variables that I try not to do anything with variables if I can get away with it. No, I agree. I agree. I often see uh, newer developers using a lot of variables where you could just check uh, states of five objects, for example. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree. And uh, I've seen some of the new stuff that Storyline's got coming and they've got things to really help that process of just using states that you can write the triggers really quickly. Yeah, that'll be very nice. Mm. Gentlemen, I think uh, 
I think we're we're nearing the end here. Uh, I suppose I could tell you my story about when I worked in the NHS and we had lock courses. Uh, yeah, yeah. We had an office with six people in there, and we used to take it in turns to do any of the e-learning that had to be done, and it was our job to find the quickest way through the course. So we had a process of jump into the quiz if you can get to the quiz. If the quiz passes it, then that's great, and you put a cheat sheet together and pass it around. And if the quiz doesn't pass it, then you go all the way through the course to see whether that is the way you complete the course. And not ideally what you want to hear from somebody who builds e-learning, but I always say, I do a lot of training, and I always say that we spend a lot of time building our courses and putting bits of fun in there and bits of love. But most of the people who take our course, it's not their day job. And they want to get from point A to point B as quickly as they possibly can. And their managers might want them to learn something along the way, but most of them just want to get back to their day job. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. It almost sounds like, uh, you know, in the gaming world, you've got your gaming guides. so People can share it and work their way through stuff faster, but uh, that doesn't always uh, lead to good learning. Yeah, that comes back to making sure that the courses are written exactly for purpose and that you make sure that you're only giving them the information that they need at that point rather than trying to overload them with everything you think that they might need. And some people do that and some people just think that they need to know every single little thing and the history about why we got to where we got to. Sounds like every course I ever built that. (laughs) <laughs> well, there's what we want to do. And then there's the the real world of what's requested of us that we have to work with as well. So it's finding a good balance between all those things when we're developing. Yeah, I think I always say the first course I build for the client is the one that I love. And then it's their job to destroy it because <laughs> they take all the nice bits out and lock it down. Uh, but Dials, the other thing is you can't make a great course if you're... Um, clients aren't engaged with it the best courses i've ever built are where they know exactly what they want and uh, we work to get to that point to give them something brilliant and the people who aren't engaged are the ones where you find it really difficult to get to know what the the knowledge is they're trying to put across and it, it might just be a tick box exercise for them that they need to have a course because that's what they need for compliance yep yep if it's not engaging it becomes a chore and You've just probably spent a lot of money on something you don't, you didn't need to. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Dave and Phil. Uh, I think we had a great discussion. Um, Phil, thank you again. How can people find you on the interwebs? Um, I've got a website, so uh, www.elearninglaboratory.com. And I'm on the forums. Just drop me a message. I can't promise that I will get back very quickly, but I will get back to you. And uh, if it's a question, sometimes it's better to put it on the forums because I'll probably answer it on there. Thank you. Uh, Dave? Uh, Well, you can check me out at uh, lumengroup.com for custom e-learning or elearninglocker.com for some storyline templates and videos that I do and all sorts of various things there. Uh, How about you, Nate? You can find me on Twitter under N-E-J-C-D or add me on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, that would be it. Thank you, everyone. If you have a message for the e-learning guys, you can send a message to the website. We have a form there, theelearningguys.com. Other than that, enjoy your day and I will talk to you and we'll talk to you soon.
Yep. Thanks, everyone. Happy learning. Thanks. Nice.